Live from Studio B's, this is Proudly Made in Canada by Local Laundry. I am your co-host and co-owner, Mr. Connor Curran. And today, sitting right beside me for the first time ever during one of these podcasts, is uh, our other co-host and co-owner, Mr. Dustin Paisley. Happy to be here. This does feel weird. We're not talking over a screen. I hope this makes for a better podcast episode because we're not guessing who's going to take the next question. So yeah, this feels a little bit strange, but uh, happy to be here. Hopefully there's more of these in the future. Today's episode, as always, is sponsored by Revita Energy Tea, which is a clean-based energy tea that is proudly made in Canada and is actually sold in the store or the brand, the company that we're interviewing today. So we have another incredible guest on the podcast today, Mr. Adam Martin from Community Natural Feuds. Adam, thank you so much for for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, It's awesome to be able to talk with both of you. Yeah, you as well. So, so tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do. Yeah, so uh, my name is Adam Martin. I'm I'm the general manager at Community Natural Foods. I grew up in the GTA, so I'm I'm originally uh, in the bad part of the country for lots of people at West, but uh, have a lot of love for everyone in the Toronto region. Did my uh, my schooling, my education was at the University of British Columbia, and so spent some time out on the West Coast, and then. In 2010, landed in Calgary and uh, came here actually to work at Community Natural Foods. For those who don't know Community, it's uh, it's a health food store located uh, exclusively here in Calgary. We have three locations. And for me, it's a family business. I actually came to Calgary for the chance to work with my dad. He, he was the previous general manager prior to me. And it was two of his cousins, Peter and Gary Wilkes, that started the business back in the 70s. And so pretty deep connection into the business and a lot of love for what community has been able to do and what it's been able to mean to the city of Calgary for, for the last 40 plus years. No way. That is so cool. And I think it's safe to say we've now claimed you as one of our own as, as you're sitting in your own YYC local laundry sweater. I think, uh, I think it's safe to say that you're now a proud Calgarian. That is for sure. Yeah. My, uh, I met my lovely wife here in Calgary. We got three kids. We're, uh, we're pretty cemented in this. This this sweater actually might have been her claiming me as a Calgarian. We have uh, we have matching sweaters that were a Christmas present one year. Very That's good. good. What's it like to to jump into a family business like that? I'm sure there's there's maybe is there a little bit of added pressure? You know, g- given that it's got some pretty deep family roots, what is that? What is that like? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's interesting for me because I think people when they hear it was a family business kind of assume. I grew up as a health food person, and uh, I did not. I, I grew up maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum as a pretty conventional kind of guy. And and so I had come in really to try and support from a professional management standpoint where the business was going. It was 2010 was the time where we had just uh, created an off-site commercial commissary. Uh, we were going through our previous uh, renovation of the, the 10th Avenue location, and so I was coming in to try and help lead that. And so I think people came in assuming I was going to know everything there was to know, and I, and I was going to be a, a deep resource of, of health food wisdom, and I came in as the newbie. And so that was, I think, a bit of a, an eye-opening piece for a lot of our, our team. The reality is I fell in love with the business. That didn't take long. If, if you give me enough time, I'll, I'll, I'll tell stories for the next six hours probably about all the great things there are about Community Natural Foods, but it always starts with our team. And so the team was amazing, kind of welcomed me in, and they have been just the best resource when it comes to natural health and wellness. And so helped me fall in love with everything there is to do with business, with community natural foods, with the city of Calgary, the local food movement, organics, you kind of name it. They, they were they were my professors, if, if you want to kind of deem it that way. That was a big part of it for me. But on the family side of business, I mean, I grew up kind of 
as a, a pretty dorky kid who wanted to be like his dad. Like I, I looked at him like my role model and, and my idol. And so the chance to have a chance to really work with him and see what it was like on a day-to-day basis was a, a huge blessing. And then the actual founder, uh, Gary, who, who was still with the business, I know a lot of people who listen to the podcast, I think are like kind of come from that entrepreneurial mindset or like hearing kind of about those, those individuals. And I don't think there's a better example in, in the country than a guy like Gary. He, he is the epitome of bootstrapping. He, uh, he's the epitome of hustle and, and, and be humble. And so I've learned a ton from him. Like, I mean, the guy was running three stores. We were doing a good amount of business. We were well-known in the city. And uh, on a snowy day, he was the guy you found with the snow shovel in the parking lot, making sure people were safe. So it gives you a sense of the type of guy he is. I love it. Well, could you could you give us a brief history of the business, when it got started, how he kind of grew it to, to this point, where it's at today? Yeah. So uh, so there, there were two founders, Peter and Gary, the two brothers. They had received kind of a small inheritance back uh, in the late 70s. And uh, this was on the back of having lost their mom. Their, their mom, unfortunately, passed away at a, at a really young age. And the two of them really started to explore natural health after their mom passed away. They really believed that there was a different way of looking at food as medicine and supplementation and wellness and a number of different pieces like that. And so in 1977, above the keg, on the second floor on the Beltline, uh, they started a bulk food store. And uh, it's pretty fun to hear about some of the stories from the, the late 70s, early 80s. One staff member, there, there was a, a real community that was formed, had uh, amazing guitar sessions at the back of the store. But the, I mean, they, they described that there were days where there was a cash box sitting at the front where they just yelled from the back, please leave your money. So, so a very different business maybe than where we're at today. But I think from the very beginning, the, the name Community Natural Foods fit really, really well. I think the intention was to want to build a community, to build a tribe of like-minded thinkers. And I think they were really successful with that. They moved from there to uh, the corner of 10th Ave and 14th Street in Calgary, where the lighting center uh, was for a real long time. And uh, that was kind of the flagship store for quite some time. Uh, And I think by that time, they were really starting to get a, a good following where they were seen as kind of the leading thinkers in the city. They were the ones that were helping to develop brands. Uh, the, the number of pretty iconic Canadian brands that have been very successful, that have stories of kind of showing up and selling product to Gary or the team at Community out of the trunk of their car. It's a long list. They were there through the, the kind of 80s and early 90s before they moved to the, the current kind of flagship location uh, at uh, 12th Street and 10th Ave. The business grew. Gary was a pretty ambitious guy. He was doing a lot of different things. He ran one of Canada's biggest distribution companies when it came to natural products for quite some time. He uh, was helping with formulation on different products with uh, Terry Willard and some of the folks at Wild Rose, like just very involved broadly across the industry. Kind of as, as the business was growing, got into hiring a management team and, and having some, some professional management brought in to help grow the business. Opened the second store in 2000. My dad would have joined the company in 2008. I think at that point, you were really talking about just a period of crazy growth for the natural foods industry. I mean, this was a time where every grocery store in the city didn't have a natural health section, didn't have a natural choice section, and people were hungry for organics. They were hungry for something different. That was a bit of a wild ride to just try. I mean, Calgary is going through boom times, potentially. We're, We're talking about just trying to keep staff can't keep up with how, how busy the store is. I, I mean, there were times at that 10th Ave location where the till was lined up to the back wall of the store. I mean, we're talking 30, 40 people deep. And so it was a pretty clear sign that we needed to be growing. 
So opened our third store up at the Crowfoot area six or seven years ago at this point. And that's kind of where we're sitting today. And then the interesting piece for, for a community is it was a diversified business. So we did a significant amount of manufacturing as well. The business had a brand, Alberta Natural Products, that was sold through kind of 300 retailers across the country, a variety of products, did some private label, white label kind of work for different companies as well. And so there was a really, there was a, a, a real estate business that was happening. There was a manufacturing business that was happening. There was a retail business that was happening. And just as I was stepping in to uh, lead the business, Gary came to us and said, hey, you know what? I really want to focus on the things I'm, I'm, I'm most passionate about. That, that's really looking like manufacturing. I think it's time to turn over community natural foods to someone else. Can, can you look to sell the retail business? And so that was that was kind of my first task as general manager was to try and set up for that. As lots of people know, uh, I went through a, went through a whole process on that, but uh, landed on the business, the retail business, community natural foods being acquired by Calgary Co-op. And so, I, I think the great piece of of the the story really is that back in the '70s when that community was being created, it kind of start, started as a cooperative business and. And these days, Community Natural Foods is owned by 400,000 Calgarians as a cooperative business, which is pretty awesome. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's great. Any advice uh, you'd give for companies kind of going through a similar, you know, acquisition or, or, or something like that? What, what were some of the key learnings and takeaways from that experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, you got to know what your business is for sure. Like, you got to know what you're, you're bringing to market. You got to know what you really do offer, how you're differentiated. I think, I mean, businesses are going to trade on the financials of what they look like, but they're also going to trade on what they can become. And so I think a major part for me of, of kind of going through that process and having conversations with lots of interested parties was really the importance of, of finding the right partner. And I'm so appreciative as the guy still running community. I'm so appreciative that Gary was thoughtful about that. I think he, he saw, Hey, community has been my baby for 40 years. I'm not just turning this over to anyone. I want to make sure there's good alignment. I want to make sure that, that this is going to be a partnership or, or an ownership situation that makes sense for the long run. And so I think that that's, that's something that's real important to consider, especially if you're sitting like me on the staff side of things. I, I mean, as, as an owner, I think you might want to get as much money as you possibly can in your bank account. But when, you, when you've gone through kind of nurturing something like it's a child, you also want to make sure that you're, you're doing right by it as well. And, and so I think Gary was the epitome of kind of, of, of looking after his people through the whole process. Very cool. And what about uh, any advice for, for companies or entrepreneurs who are experiencing that massive growth phase? Because I know obviously COVID has made some businesses be a lot busier than others. And so for those that are experiencing that growth, any advice for them as you guys went through it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think where my mind jumps to is, I mean, you're treading water. You're trying to keep your head above water at some point because you're just trying to keep up with all of it. And uh, and those are times to cherish. Like, like in the midst of it, I think it feels hard. But there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there who would happily trade sides. And so you got to be able to keep your, your head focused on some of the gratitude of how well things are going. So there's that side of it. But the other side of it is I think you also have to be focused on what's the sustainable long-term plan. Like, like especially when you start talking about a pandemic or something that's short-term or, or, or something that's a one-off, once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience, you want to be able to meet demand. You want to be able to grow the business, but you also don't want to be over leveraging yourself. You don't want to be going too far too fast in a way that's not going to make sense in the long run. And so I think you got to do the work to really understand what's what what's the real trajectory of, of my product, of my market? Where is that really going to go? Like, how am I really grounding myself in some good evidence, not just intuition? I, I think I've, I've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs who, how's the business going? And, and their first 
their first uh, glances at the bank account. And if it looks good, they're going to say business is good. And if it looks bad, they'll say business is bad. And I don't think that's always the whole story. What, so what advice, so let's say I'm a business uh, in the uh, health food space. I, I just came out with a new food consumer package, good product. I think it'd be a good fit for community natural foods. What advice would you give for young entrepreneurs starting in the, you know, the natural food section and how to get it into a store like, like community? Is it just driving in the parking lot, having a meeting with you and selling out of their trunk, like the good old days, or what, what's some advice you could give there? Yeah, it, this is, I'm, I'm actually so glad you asked. This is my favorite topic to talk about. So, so wow. uh, <laughs> this is awesome. Um, community has a really rich history of actually trying to guide companies through some of this. Like, like there, there's a number of brands that have gone on to be real big, like, like national players where, we help them get set up with their first barcode. Like, here's how you actually register a barcode on a product. And so one, I think you got a partner in a company like Community that's interested in supporting. And I think there's some awesome, like there's accelerator programs out there and there's other businesses that are doing lots of mentorship as well. But um, the one thing I'd throw out there is I think you, you should probably know if you are that young entrepreneur that there are a lot of people who want you to be successful. Community's business has been built on incubating and helping grow those brands. Like, like we do great business with national companies and I have a lot of love for them. But what differentiates us is being able to find that next up and comer and really help them grow and, and them and develop. And so it's critical to our entire business model. First thing I would do is I would make sure that I really know the market I'm playing in. Like, like, like you got to know who are you competing with? What else is on the shelf? Uh, what does that really look like? How is your product different? It is a real challenge as a retail store to be wanting to bring in something that is just a me too product. It, it, it's similar yeah. to something we have on the shelf. It's a similar price point. There's not that great story behind it we're not going to be super motivated to make a change in that situation. Like we're looking for something where someone's able to bring something different. So that's one. And so actually just going and shopping stores and, and looking at the category you'd want to be placed in and thinking about like, what does my product look like on shelf? How does it, how do I tell that story? How does the product tell that story? It's a piece that seems to be missed often by a lot of people. Unfortunately, like, they know their thing. They know what they love. They know why they created it, but they don't necessarily know who else is in the same space. And so Spend the time to get to know who your who your neighbors are going to be. The, the other side, though, I would throw it is uh, like the unfortunate side is often businesses are started like especially in the CPG space. It seems like like it starts with direct to consumer. Uh, like it, it starts with I'm at a farmer's market booth and I made this thing in my kitchen and, and I'm just going to sell it or whatever it happens to be. And the margin that's necessary to kind of go through a wholesale relationship and, and have everyone be able to make their business model work very different than direct to consumer. And so making sure that you know what that looks like, making sure you know what you need to be able to take, but what others in, in the supply chain need to be able to take is, is a big part of it. I think it's often surprising to people how, how what that actually has to look like for, for the model. Yeah, it was everyone. surprising to us. I mean, <laughs> it's surprising for everyone. And, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't think about it. They don't factor that in. You have to. Yeah, it's a, well, and, and I mean, I think the nice piece in the food space, especially like if, if you're talking about like a, a food product is scale can create some efficiency. If you can get to really manufacturing with automation, if you can get to some of those later stages of business development, you can bring some extra margin back into the equation. And so there's some making up for it if you were late at the beginning, but it's a challenge if you're not there from the, from the get go. So that, that, that's probably the biggest one that's, I think, eye-opening to people often. And then uh, the other one I would share is just how important it is that you can be a champion for your product. I, I mean, in, in a space where, like, you're talking local economy, where you're talking about, like, brands that are really built on having a tribe, 
the founder a lot of the time becomes the story. Like, why did you start the business? Why does it matter to you? Why should I fall in love with you? Like, like your story is a major part of the brand story often. And so know that and, and be, you got to get comfortable with being in the public eye and being able to share that. I, I mean, I, again, these companies that have been successful across the country, they are often the one where the founder has hit the streets, been in the store, talked to customers, done the demo, whatever it happens to be. And, 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 I mean, that's happening in social media now. It's happening in a lot of different avenues, but I still think people are looking for that connection to the founder. If, if there's someone who believes in that kind of movement of small local brands that they're helping to incubate and grow into something. Very cool. And so one of the things you mentioned too is, was, you know, obviously started a little while ago, but we're seeing that explosion in the natural food space. And I think that continues to this day too, right? And, and it continues to grow. And you're also seeing a lot of more local brands pop up and in every category, right? Before you probably had some more local choices in a few different categories, but now we're seeing every category is starting to have more local options. Where, where do you see this trend going? Is that going to be a time where, you know, just like beer, a, a lot of people are going to be choosing to only eat local food or, or where is this trend going? Yeah, I, I think, uh, there's a lot of different trends in the health food space, whether that's specialty diet, whether it whether it's local, whether it's like there's there's so many different things we could pick up on in the conversation. But I think one of the most overarching important ones to recognize is that people I think are looking for transparency. Like they, they want to they really want to know what they bought. They they want to know what the supply chain looks like. They want to know what they're investing into. Like I think people are really grasping the concept that hey, when I spend money, I'm voting with my wallet for what I want the world to look like. Yeah. And so in our space, it becomes really critical for companies to be able to do that. And, and so as a trend, when you kind of say, like, is everyone going to be there? Or is that is that going to be like I only drink like the, the small batch local brew, whatever it happens to be? I think what I would hope to see, what I would want to see happen, what I'm going to try and foster is, as, as I help lead communities, like how do we get people to the place where they really know what it is that they're consuming? We really believe like heart of hearts believe like food can be your medicine. Food can be the thing that heals you. Food can be such an important part of what your overall experience of life looks like. And a lot of that starts with knowledge. There's so many people now who are wanting to be more informed. And, and so that would be my number one. Like, I, I just hope that that becomes the thing that people chase because as they start to explore that, then we get into some super fun conversations. Like then, then we can start talking about regenerative organic and, and what's going on with the planet and how the food system can really help make things better. And, and we can start talking about like, like what's going on in supplementation and what's going on in personalized health and, and how does genome testing and all these other things start to lead to some, some greater sophistication in nutraceuticals. Like there are amazing things happening in the natural food space, but I think a lot of it starts with people being interested to know what the heck's really going on. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Yeah. So can you tell us what, I'm so curious, what are the, like the top five selling items that they don't have to be brand specific? What, what moves the most? At Community Natural Foods, what do you? Yeah, we're out of stock. There's a smile on my face because uh, uh, the answer at Community is like a lot of other stores. But uh, number one skew in the store is bananas, because uh, <laughs> everyone eats bananas. Um, That's so. Funny. But I mean, it, really, quite growing quickly for us. Like produce is just, it's it's awesome to see like this resurgence of produce produce getting in people's baskets. One of the fastest growing parts of the store, I think people are looking to eat fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, that they just want that 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 kind of a live experience on their plate. It, so that's for sure a big trend that we're seeing. 
Community's got a really cool story when it comes to protein. Plant-based is, is off the charts and it's growing rapidly, and that's true across the entire industry. But I think one of the things we hear from customers is ethical meat can be hard to find. Right. Uh, and so if you are someone who eats meat, like I, I think that's, that's a big part of what makes the, the store the store. I realize I'm giving you trends, not products. So I, I apologize okay. for maybe the skirt in the question, but like in the supplement section, no doubt, like like the categories at the beginning of COVID, it was interesting because we went back to some real basics. Like we sold a ton of vitamin D, we yeah. sold a ton of vitamin C, we told us like zinc, like like people really got back to the basics. But I would say the number one trend, like if you elongate that over time, has been sleep and stress, just with how busy the world is, and so that that starts to cue your mind a little bit to what's going on in the world of shoppers. And then in the grocery world, I mean, for us, like I started with like, well, hey, community was a bulk store in the 70s. We do a ton of bulk, like like our, our bulk section. I'm super proud of it. I think it's the best in the city, but the, the, the waste-free movement and where people are going with being able to, to be able to kind of get away from some of those packaged goods, just know those raw ingredients that they're consuming. It, it, it's a big deal. What's the number um, one bulk uh, item? Almonds, number one for us. I, I was going to talk about r- rolled oats. Like we, we got a lot of love for, 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 for some local products that are grown right here, a little bit closer to home. Unlike some other bulk stores, maybe like we sell a ton of uh, nutritional yeast. Uh, <laughs> like, like, like we sell products that uh, not everyone's going to know about. And I think it's a fun opportunity. Like in a grocery store, you don't get a chance to interact with staff. And I think what makes a health food store so different is you got these people on the floor who are passionate about natural health. And so... When you walk in, there's someone to actually ask questions to. And, and so I think one of the reasons we call out some of those more fun or differentiated products is because they lead to opportunities to talk about why you'd be interested in putting something like that on popcorn and, and how good a product like that can be. And what a what a different take, too, in terms of, you know, a competitive difference, right? Most stores, that's that's not the case, right? You ask someone in, in a regular grocery store, ask them about a product, they'll tell you where it is. They're not going to tell you how to cook with it or, or what their journey with that product has been. So that's that's also a really unique piece, too, that I'm sure is, is highly valuable to the community. We don't charge for it, obviously. Like, it's just part of the experience. But, like, our product is our staff. Yeah. Like, like the knowledge they have, the service they provide, the experience they create in the store. The reason people who have shopped at Community for 40 years continue to shop at Community is because of the people who are there who... They're super knowledgeable. We try and provide them with a ton of training, but they want, like they're advocates. They, they want to push people towards natural health. They love this. And, and so the fact that we get to host events where they are the, the lecturer, they are the expert at the front of the room, um, but you could walk in on a Tuesday afternoon and have a one-on-one conversation with them like that. It, it's a cool part of what makes a health food store a health food store. Yeah, absolutely. And I know it's a word you've mentioned a few times, and this has definitely been a, a, a popular word in the marketing world, but the word of, of tribe. I, I know that's a big one for a brand that's just starting out, right? They're trying to find their customer base. They're trying to figure out where their customers are, who their customers are, how they can reach them, how they can build that community. Talk to us a little bit about kind of your tribe, how you knew who your tribe was, and, and if that's changed over the years. I think it's been interesting to come in kind of like I've been with the company just over 10 years. And, and so like over the last decade, watching how a culture and a tribe that was kind of organically just grown, like, like, like just do the right thing over time and people will come was a lot of how the business worked. And then over the last 10 years, we've really tried to nail down like 
hey, like, what was the purpose of this business in the 70s? What is the purpose of the business today? Is that the same? Is it not? We were super blessed that it is. And so being able to be really clear, like, hey, Community Natural Foods, we are about wellness for all. We're about respect for the earth. Like, like we're going to put every decision we make through the lens of those two things. And so as we started to be able to do that and talk about it really openly, I think it was a major part of making sure that people knew, hey, this is how we think about the world. This is how we think about the business. If you're going to shop a community, this is really who we're going to be. It was a super helpful part for us. I mean, the great thing about community and, 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 and it's a hard thing to foster and it takes time is we got to a place where customers felt a lot of ownership over the brand, over the store. I talked to other people who are in similar shares to mine and they don't get the same phone call. Like I, I get the phone call from the customer that says like, Hey, I was just in the store and like the, the, the table in the cafe is a little bit unbalanced. You should probably like take care of that. like small details. Cause like they see it as their home and they want it to be a specific way. And I think that that level of care from a customer, like you got to cherish that because it means that they're bought in and they want it to be as good as possible. In terms of like the more modern side of it, we've done a lot of research into the psychographics, like a lot of surveying of customers of like, what is your motivation to come in store? What really does matter to you? And, and the experience for us, because we're a little bit more established, has been a very validating experience. I, I, I don't know if there was anything that blew us away or that was totally off of what we would have assumed, but it's been really helpful to have some hard evidence that says, hey, these are the things that our shoppers care about and, and that we need to continue to prioritize. Spending the money to do the research to understand your customers, it's a huge deal. Uh, that's really helped us just to have very specific personas of who our shoppers are. From the get-go, though, like if, if the question's more like, hey, I'm starting out and how do I build that? I think the biggest thing is to be really clear on who you are and shut it from the rafters. Like, 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 don't pull any punches. Don't hold that back. Like, I think people can be nervous to say like, hey, here's my stance on maybe a controversial issue. I think it's better to have your perspective out there than not so that you can actually attract the people who are going to be like-minded to you. Because the reality for a lot of these, for, for kind of the smaller businesses that are starting up is... Like if you go to business strategy, they're not going to be the low cost leader. Like that's not what they're going to go win on. Like they're going to be a niche player really focused on a key market. And so you've got to nail that market down and you got to be able to talk to those people. Yeah, that's great advice. I know one of the uh, pieces of advice that we got and, and it's a bit of an exercise and activity, but really kind of going through and identifying, you know, what, what are you yes to and what do you no to, right? There's values that you you have value. And then there's other things where it's like, this, this is a hard no. And we'll, we'll identify by saying no to this versus just identify it by saying yes to these. So that, that's great advice. Yeah, exercises. I mean, my my leadership team gives me a hard time because I advocate very strongly that I want us to be for things. Like, like, I think the world is a little bit too against things too often. And I really want community to be about being for something. But I, I'm 100% with you that on the other end of the spectrum, you, you got to know where your boundaries are. You got to know where the line is. You got to know what you're willing to say no to. You got to be willing to stand up for something. Well, Adam, we don't want to take too much more of your time here. If you could just give the listeners a little bit of details and information on uh, the newly renovated store, when it's going to be fully open, when people can go check it out, all the locations and uh, and where people can go to support community. Totally. I uh, appreciate the chance to plug it. It's, uh, so with the acquisition co-op made, uh, one of the things that came with that is a real desire to, to modernize the, the, the brand and, and be able to get it broader. And so I think this is just the first of uh, a number of pieces people are going to be able to see across the city. But 
Just then, a fairly significant refresh of our 10th app store, the flagship location, really different uh, kind of feel with coming into produce, coming into the most popular kind of department in the store. I couldn't be more proud of the work that was done. I think the store has never looked more beautiful. And so, yeah, we're, we're sitting here chatting. It's June 24th. Actually, tomorrow is our, our, our kind of grand opening. So 25th, 26th, 27th, we got a sale going on uh, at that uh, location. Some phenomenal deals with great support from a, a number of awesome Canadian brands that you'll, you'll want to check out for sure. A big change and something that customers have just been hammering us on through the entire pandemic. The community cafe is back. So if you're someone who likes having lunch at the store, the, the cafe is back. It is kind of pandemic friendly. We, we've gone to a full service model, but the menus never looked better. So uh, an awesome thing to kind of check out there. But uh, would love to see people in the store, kind of 25th, 26th, 27th, re- reopening sale. And if you're ever in the store, and you have a chance to see me. I would love to connect, love to have a conversation, love to get to know kind of our shoppers. And so uh, just so much appreciation, Connor, Dustin, for the chance to chat with you guys. Like I, uh, I started it when we were offline. I am such a fanboy of your brand. Um, and, and so it's just a, a cool opportunity to sit across uh, from you guys. Oh, right back at you. Well, th- thank you. Well, Dustin, why don't you uh, take us home? Perfect. Well, yeah, thanks, Adam. It's it's definitely mutual. There's there's a big mutual admiration. And, and thank you for sharing the story of community all the way back to its original foundings of the uh, Honor System cash box at the front of the store. <laughs> it's, story, it's stories like that that are really incredible, right? When you can walk into a place and, and have a good understanding of what things used to be like and, and how it got started. So thank you for coming on today. Thanks for sharing your story. Again, to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you coming back each and every episode. We're doing our best to continue bringing you some incredible guests like Adam to the show to celebrate Canadian made everything that is high quality and highly conscious and uh, Canadian made. So thanks again for tuning in. We've got some incredible guests coming up and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to Proudly Made in Canada by Local Laundry. We are your co-hosts and co-owners, Connor Curran and Dustin Paisley. You can find us anywhere, anytime at www.locallaundry.ca for all of our Canadian-made garments. You can find out what we're up to in the community at Local Laundry and all social channels. Sign up for our newsletter, sign up for our e-blast, and you can find all previous episodes of the podcast wherever you stream your podcast from. Until next time.